Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 6, Episode 9, entitled The Better Half. Uh, we're about to find out who's the better half of this podcast. Hey, I'm feeling fresh. I'm feeling relaxed. I'm feeling like I didn't come from another two-hour podcast right into this one. <laughs> I'm surprising. ready to go. Yeah. Uh, I am feeling like I haven't seen this episode enough. I only saw it twice. Uh, once was to actually do my outline. So... You, you may very well be the better half of this podcast this time. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, any? Are you saying I'm the butter? Or, or am I the butter to your margarine? <laughs> well, if I have a bigger market share, yes. <laughs> you just taste better. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, let's get right into the recap. We start off with... Uh, wait, wait. What? We're not, what? You're not going to ask me what I thought of the episode? How dare you? Well... You're already you're, slipping, Jesus. I know. You're, you're keeping the podcast on track. What did you think of this episode? <laughs> Um, I thought it was a perfectly serviceable episode of Mad Men. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, where the hell is this going? It's a little bit bored. And then the second half of the episode, the crazy train started and, you know, didn't <laughs> quite didn't quite get to run over a dude's foot with a lawnmower level. That's exactly but what I thought when Peggy stabbed Abe. Peggy killed a man with a trident. I mean, it was a, ma- a homemade one at that. I guess it was just a unident. It wasn't a trident. She actually killed him? No, she didn't kill him. Okay. I was making a Ron Burgundy gotcha. anchorman joke. Okay, I didn't think she killed him. I was I was confused. Things this episode escalated quickly, let's put it that way. They did. So let's, let's see. I'm, I'm wussing out here. Your number? Eight and a half. Eight? Wow. Okay, that's solid for an episode you said you were bored during. No, for like the first 50, I was like, what the hell is going yeah. on? Yeah. Okay. Well, I I can never be bored by an episode of Mad Men. I, it's just impossible. But I find the character interactions so compelling that I'm never bored. Never bored with this show. Um, that said, I'm probably going to stick with an eight on this one. Mm. Because uh, I, I don't know. I felt like coming off of an episode which was pretty on the nose getting another episode which was pretty on the nose was not what i really wanted Mm -hmm. um but the events unfolded in such a way i guess i wasn't as entertained by this one i mean a lot of things happened that kind of needed to happen and have been lurking around for a while um but it wasn't as entertaining i I, maybe it's because we we didn't well i don't know bob benson's shorts we're pretty good this episode. <laughs> <laughs> for we'll, sure. We'll definitely get there. But yeah, I'm going to stick with a solid eight. All right. All right. Are we ready for the recap now? I believe so. Great. Uh, we start off with Ted and Don arguing about the strategy to take with Fleischman's margarine. Uh, Pete's trying to contribute, but he's largely being ignored. Uh, Peggy walks by and she gets dragged in the middle of it. And when everyone else leaves, Pete and Harry talk about what just happened. So let's just let's this, talk about this what is just happened. essentially a taste better, less filling argument, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, essentially, is is the marketing is you know are we going on value, mm-hmm. which is basically seeding that we're not the inferior product, or are we trying to appeal to people based on taste? Yeah. And I think that's 
what Ted is trying to go like this is a quality product and Don's like well, the difference in you and the the bot the, the the basement is like you know 20 some cents and also you're way cheaper than butter which everyone thinks tastes better mm-hmm. so you know this is this is Budweiser not the Schiffus Regal yeah and in the end I guess Ted kind of wins this argument you know Peggy backs him up uh, Pete who's totally being ignored backs up Don but that doesn't seem to matter well, no, I think Peggy refused to back aside. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, and I like that Harry, uh, <laughs> Harry's uh, comeback to Pete where he's like, what, you suddenly dumber than Peggy for taking a side? <laughs> oh, he speaks. Yeah. I, I like that line from Pete. Yeah. Pete's look at Harry is also yeah. priceless. Pete uh, does not like anything about Harry, does he? That's what I like to do. No. Well, I mean, it's, it's. I'm actually surprised they have a working professional relationship after the giant blow. I mean... Yeah, the racist I'm comments. notoriously slow to get over stuff like that. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, you know, I just guarantee three months after I screamed at someone that, you know, he's a bona fide racist in an office <laughs> setting that I wouldn't... I'd be like... He tries to open his mouth to me after me and I'd be like, fuck you. Get up and leave. Yeah. So... There's a lot that Harry yeah. said to Pete that kind of shook him, though. Um, mm. I mean, I, I don't want to move on too fast from the conversation that uh, Ted and Don and Peggy were having. Maybe we should go back to that because it, it was really – this was not about the margarine at this point for for Don, certainly. Right. Uh, this is about Peggy and who's, Man, I think who's this... going to be her, I don't know, mentor, owner. I mean, what what do we have here? As stupid as this sounds, I feel like this butter versus margarine um, – High, you know, parable or whatever mm-hmm. example uh, illustration can be applied to many facets of this episode. Okay, sure. Which I'll be like touching on as we go through. Yeah, but, but I kind of spread that butter on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, could it apply? You know, is 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 Bob Benson the margarine version of Don Draper? <laughs> is no. Ted the margarine version of Don Draper? No, he's much smoother than. Is margarine. Megan the margarine version of Betty? Their initials are even the same. Oh. Margarine, Megan, and Butter Be- <laughs> Betty. Very true. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into that more deeply, I guess, when we get to those. And also, I, I got to say, I'm starting to come around to the something ain't right with Bob Benson theory. Yes. Oh, we will definitely talk about that. Okay. Um, Ted in this scene, Ted and Harry actually both are apparently fans of Mountain Dew. Did you see those old-timey Mountain Dew bottles? Uh, I've the seen, table? yeah, I mean, they look like the throwbacks that they got out right now. Yeah, In fact, do. I wouldn't be surprised that they are not uh, throwback versions and this is some kind of marketing deal. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Um, I actually had no idea that Mountain Dew was even out at that time. It was made in like 1940. Was it really? Which is crazy, yeah. Interesting. Had no idea. Uh, do you know what the slogan of Mountain Dew at the time was? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Well, it's kind of apt considering that uh, Harry says you want to get your balls tickled. Oh, yeah? Because the slogan at the time was, it'll tickle your innards. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, those are outards. Fair enough. But, uh, yeah, point point well taken. Also, Harry is continuing to pack on about five pounds per episode, is he not? Oh, that handful of ham sandwiches? Oh, yeah. That that describes (laughs) his face at this point. Don looks like a sack full of buttholes, and Harry looks like a handful of ham sandwiches. Yep, yep. Uh, so there was a reference to the 27 Yankees um, when Pete and Harry are talking about 
like how the firm is positioned. Mm-hmm. Um, 27 Yankees, I don't know if you know this. The, he's talking about the 1927 Yankees roster. Uh, they were called the Murderer's Row because there were like six really just phenomenal hitters, uh, including Babe Ruth. Lou Gehrig was on that uh, team. And Lou Gehrig, yep, right after They him. won like 110 games that year. Yeah, yeah, it was the most of, of any team. It was also the year that Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs. Mm. So, uh, killer year for the Yankees. So, Harry is saying here that everyone sees them as, like, this incredible advertising agency. Right. They don't see the chaos that Pete sees being on the inside of it. Right. He does have a point, though. They still don't have a name. That's the sticking point, and, and yeah. we're, we're We think we're somewhere in the middle of July. We, we'll get into the reasons <laughs> later, but we think, timeline-wise... We're definitely past June, and we're some some point in early to mid July. Yeah, um, and Pete now I think thinks that Harry's in line for a promotion, right? Because of what Harry said. To I think him. Harry he said, thinks like, that. Well, certainly Harry thinks that. Harry's yes. been thinking that since the company got merged, probably because again, yeah. Roger said we need to get bigger before we get bigger. And well, they're bigger, and two partners, senior partners, have died. Uh-huh. There are some vacancies here. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but I think that that's what spurns Pete to actually go see Duck later on. Yeah, uh, I'll buy the, that. The headhunter, well, I think so. he wanted his balls tickled a little bit. Yeah. He's, he's unhappy, and you know he wanted to see how warm the water is. Sure. Water's not very warm, but we'll get to that. Oh, no, not for Pete, it's not. <laughs> no. Uh, so we go he, over to... Yeah. He quit filling his room with desperation. <laughs> He's just been – the peat pit has been just stockpiled. He's been wheeling it in by the handcart <laughs> for months now. <laughs> yeah. And then his yeah, mom brought imagine? a good supply too. So it's just, you know. Ugh. Disgusting in there. Uh, we go over to Megan who is on set playing a new character called Colette on her soap opera. And she spills a drink. She bends down to clean it, o- to clean it up. Um, the director tells her – that she's not supposed to clean it up because that's not what the character is. She's supposed to be different from the other character she's playing. Indeed. So we find out that Megan is now playing twins, I guess. Well, so, and here's where the margarine butter theory gets a little deeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Colette, mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, the subservient maid is... Blonde. No, no, she's actually brunette. No, what? The one that wears the French maid costume... That's Cor- that's Colette. Corinne uh, is the Corinne is her the character she played first. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got them confused, but okay. anyway, yeah, let's yeah. say the so the brown the the Megan looking one <laughs> yeah. is the kind of subservient cleaning wench who's having the affair, and then the blonde one that ha- that you know has a more Betty is supposed to have a Betty air to her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's sophisticated. She's got what you know. She's got money. She's, you know, doesn't, she's just kind of like a little bit Betty, more Betty-ish, right? Yeah. And Megan is having a hard time playing that character. <laughs> yeah, which I think is personally a good thing. Well, yeah, but do you think that has, that's some commentary on why Don's bored with her? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I even if she were more Betty-like... He's just going to get bored of her. That's I mean, true. Betty is totally right later on when she when they have the conversation in bed. She's got Don pegged. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Um, so even if Megan were to change, I don't know that she could satisfy him in the long term. Right. I don't know that anyone can. No, I mean, that's I, I kind of feel like this is 
there's a race to see if Don can figure himself out before the before, series ends. before like <laughs> something really terrible happens to him. Yeah. And I don't know whether really terrible is him having a heart attack or Megan leaving him or his you know, kids rejecting him or all three happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But like I feel like it's we're getting closer and closer to him maybe being able to get a a handle on this situation. Mm-hmm. But then he goes and fucks Betty and who knows, you know, all bets are off. Yeah, man, and we've seen it a few times. I mean, even back, what was it, season four when he quit smoking? Uh, and we thought he was kind of trying to straighten his life out. Right. Even well, back then. There's also some, going back to this butter margarine thing, there's also something to be said that the three women that all that knew Don the best and were able to peg him the best were all blondes. You know, go back to Anna Draper. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now Betty. Uh, we had... Uh, was a uh, psychiatrist blonde? Yeah, she was. Yeah. What was her name? Dr. Uh, Faye? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Faye Miller. Faye Miller. Yeah. Uh, all three of these things, the, the women were, were blonde, and they had the, the, the best beat on the character of Don. And I think they're also... Hmm. All three knew about Dick Whitman, right? I know Betty. Betty definitely did. Betty, I'm pretty Betty sure Faye Miller has. discovered that as well. Really? Okay. Uh, so are the blondes margarine or butter? I think they're butter. They're butter. What makes them butter in your mind? They have uh, a deeper, deeper, fattier, richer. <laughs> well, connection. we know Betty had a fattier connection. Well, that, uh, yeah, <laughs> for but, a while, not anymore. Uh, you know, obviously she switched to margarine. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm kind of like thinking this. Uh, yeah, thinking yeah. out loud here and seeing what the listeners make of it because this is kind of like after I've stewed for a day and a half. On yeah. various Reddit conspiracy threads and read, you know, Tom and Lorenzo and Let it Molly's like, I've got all these things butter. kind of. But there's something, this margarine butter thing, I feel like, is, is you know, and and the better half, you know. Yeah, yeah. Butter is the better half. Yeah, I mean, there's so got, many halves that we're seeing in this episode. Yeah, and there's so many quotes of people saying, you know, you're not... You're not making these things different enough, and yep. you know, comparison, direct compare and contrast between the way Don is before sex, the way Don is after sex. I'm yeah. just saying, there's a lot of these, you know, kind of like taste comparisons are going on throughout the episode and through this season, honestly. Sure, absolutely. It's weird that we've gone from Inferno to you know <laughs> butter. I can't believe it's not butter, but there you are. Yep, yep. Did did you pick up any Inferno references in this episode? I didn't. I did not. Okay. I, I felt like this was very much uh, the butter episode, the margarine episode. All right. Uh, anyway, let's go back to the recap. At an event, um, no, wait, wait, sorry. Don and Don comes into Peggy's office and asks uh, who has the boards for his meeting tomorrow, and then she makes a comment about uh, her not, or he makes a comment about her not choosing sides in the margarine argument, and then she kind of calls out the argument for what it was, Ted versus Don, you know? Yeah. Um, which I'm, I'm glad in some ways that they just came out and say that in other ways. Uh, I thought we had all pretty much figured that out at this point. Right. But it's like, they've been setting that up bring the subtext episodes. into the main text and, you know, yeah. being direct. I, I appreciate that when characters just say the truth and what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, what did you think he meant by he doesn't know you? Cause she basically came up with this mm. entirely accurate litany of Ted versus Don, you know, you're both the man, you're both pig headed, but he's just interested in the idea. You're an interested in your idea. And yeah, 
you know, Don tries to come back from that and she goes, well, he never makes me feel this way about, you know, backing one thing or another. Um, I almost felt like Don in that case was the one who didn't know her. Or maybe she's grown beyond what Don knew of her and she's no longer what he thinks she is. Well, I hope I remember to do this at the end, but I think there's a lot of interesting comparisons between this and the episode of the suitcase, which is the last time Betty had a breakup, you know, Betty, I'm sorry, Peggy. Peggy. Okay. God damn. These no, it's fine. <laughs> ending, ending in the two consonants and a Y <laughs> is uh, flummoxing me. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like that, you know, the last time she broke up there, you know, basically her and Don shacked up an agency for a whole weekend, had these intense, you know, intimate encounters and, you know, these intense psychological gap, you know, they, they basically, you know, became deeper and more involved with each other. Yeah. And then she breaks up with Abe and comes to the office looking like total shit. And Teddy basically pulls away from her. Yeah. So well, it's interesting. I'm I, there's I don't something we'll to there. There's something sure, there but... too, where like, yeah, Teddy is better in a lot of ways than Don. Yeah, but he doesn't have that passion, doesn't have that connection, and you know, I, I kind of question how much. Who cares about Peggy more, Don yeah. or Ted? I feel like Teddy is not going to get down on one knee and kiss her hand to say goodbye to her. Where Don is like ripping a piece of his soul when she left out the door, even though he did browbeat her and treat her terrible. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, man. It's Don's attraction to the beginnings of things, which really makes me feel like he doesn't care as much as Teddy does. Because, okay, to be fair, we don't know much about Teddy in that regard, right? But do you think he ever stopped caring about Peggy? He was very Don. He was, yeah, he's increasingly demanding, but well, I mean, he I also can't wants that... what he can't have, right? Hmm. I mean, we know that. So Peggy's never given in to him, which might be the only reason that he's sustained any kind of interest in her. Well, but wait a second. Are you, are you saying that Don has made sexual passes at her? No. Okay. So what do you, in what way has she not given in? Because I feel like she's given. And the in only a way lot. that matters to Don, which Sexually? is sex. Yeah. All right, but then again, he's never really put that on the table. Yeah, which is kind of weird. You might be right about that. I wonder if Peggy is is Peggy the thing he's looking for? I mean, is that I'm, why she's being placed in the center here between him and Ted? I'm telling you, that's what I've been saying for years now. Is that there's something? Yeah, you've said that they've had some sort of deeper connection, than... but they just haven't given into it because of well, there's a ton of reasons why that that <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be a good idea. But yeah, I feel huh. like that they're eventually. They are so similar, and they've gone through a lot of the same experiences in life that they're kind of, you know, destined to be together. And I don't know what in what capacity, or yeah. that's going to be where Don finally loses all redemptive qualities if she turns her back on him for good. Hmm. You know, and I don't. I, it's like I, I could, I could see that as being, you know, Wiener saying, "All right, Don's lost all moral hope if Peggy's turned his back on her." Yeah, because Peggy has always come across as a a good person. Yeah, and she but she still cares about Don and cares about his opinion. Yeah. So neither one of them have really stopped holding the torch for the other, in my opinion. Very true. We're all, get, right. we're all we're, over we're going the place. Deep here. Yeah. Uh, we're we're 
scraping the bottom. By the way, I got to say, John Hamm's Don Draper asshole face is one of my favorite faces. Don Draper asshole face. When when he drops that, well, that's because he doesn't know you. And he kind of purses his lips and arches his eyebrows like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's man, that's a face you just want to (laughs) punch and not stop punching until bones break. Awesome. Um, I wish we were going into a Bob Benson scene because I could segue it with another face you want to punch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we go over to some event. I don't know what kind of event this is, but Betty's waiting for Henry to get Summer off the Summer camp, phone. right? No, no, no. This is... Oh, oh, yeah. Fun, is, some it, kind of fundraiser. Fundraiser Some kind of campaign soiree type of deal. <laughs> yeah, very highfalutin. Yeah. Uh, high society stuff. Anyway, so Betty's waiting for Henry to get off the phone, and some old dude, his name is Stuart... Something. Something. I got, yeah, I didn't get a last name either. I couldn't tell. Uh, but he's he comes up and he hits on her and he tries to take her home. I don't, what does he think is going to happen right then and there? Or is he going to get a call later? Well, I mean, expecting. this is another kind of interesting comparison because this is basically how Henry picked up Betty in the first place. Don <laughs> left her alone at some you know function and he kind of moved in and pushed up on her. Mm-hmm. And now what I think is the bombshell is is Peggy or god damn it is Betty uh-huh. swinging on Henry because she came back with the whole I have three children you know with the whole like no you don't misunderstand can you believe I've had three children she's openly flirting with that dude I think it was more like and she had zero I'm Betty guilt. and I'm fantastic and She's just enjoying this moment. So she was doing that for because you think her and Henry now have got a little, you know, there again, Henry is the definite margarine version of Don. Yeah, yeah. When it comes time to, you know, bedroom goings on. <laughs> uh, That's like Don Light, the movie put on her. How do you know? Co- have we cavity. ever seen them together? Like, I'm just speculating based on. <laughs> based on personality. Well, okay. Don with, you know, Sylvia, Don with Megan. Yep, yep. You know, I'm trying to think pre. We've Kid, never seen Don Francis get it in, though, right? Yeah, but it, I'm sure it's workman. I'm sure it's workmanlike and competent, <laughs> but it's not Don Draper. It's man. margarine. Yeah, yeah, it's margarine. <laughs> it's what you do when oh, your butter's God. being rationed in World War II. No more, no more sexual butter analogies. <laughs> no more. That can go way too far. Uh, we'll keep it at she just enjoyed turning this guy down. Mm-hmm. She she enjoyed the attention. I mean, that's what she's always craved, right? Uh, she was a yeah. model before. Uh, that, that, she, that, then she that, that's per- fat. And it's now a perfect description to- for Henry. Oh, it's, it's, it's it's approximately six inches long, <laughs> oh, kind of square, and lily white. Uh, Marjorie, mo- moving on. <laughs> Uh, Peggy gets home and she finds out that Abe's been stabbed by two guys. By two dudes, he was stabbed twice or just I, once. I think. Well, I, I I don't know. I thought he was stabbed by a couple of guys. I think is what they said. Oh, possibly. Uh, had a, had anyway, a he's, treated to a stealth f bomb in this scene. Where? Oh, he was so stealth. You missed it. I mi- completely missed it. Yeah, yeah. Abe dropped the the f bomb when he's talking about like the cops or something. He's like, "Don't give them fu- those you know excuse to shake down every fucking kid." I believe is what he said. Wow. But yeah, there was definitely a stealth F bomb. Well, like I the had fourth, no idea. Fourth one deployed this season. Well done. Because they snuck it right past me. They probably snuck it past the censors. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he's been stabbed. He's unwilling to give the officer any information on his uh, assailants because he thinks they're just going to harass everybody in the neighborhood. And uh, when when he and Peggy start arguing about it, Aid tells her that everything's going in the story he's writing. 
Yeah, that's a good way to get on your girlfriend's good side. <laughs> right. After you got stabbed and you have this heated, like, radical, progressive, white guilt speech with her, then be like, hey, uh, could you help me type up this uh, bitchy story <laughs> I'm going to have about you? Yeah, slide that type. You look like a total cunt. <laughs> I got to get it all down on the page before I forget. Yeah, I don't want to forget how horrible you were. Uh, anyway, so there's... Uh, I don't know. This is the beginning of their troubles, uh, both in the apartment and together this episode. Yeah. Uh, at first, when when we saw this scene, I thought the junkie had bit him. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> the junkie. She took a shit on him, and then she bit his arm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, like, Walking Dead crossover? What are we doing here? I mean, this neighborhood sounds violent as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Arguments in the streets at all hours. Well, it sounds like someone's stabbing. Yeah, it sounds like someone's getting raped slash stabbed later on in the famous harpoon scene. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just goes to show how fast things can change. Like three months ago, Peggy was all moonstruck that this guy's thinking about having kids with her. Yeah, and then she does something kind of against her better judgment to make him happy, and now we have this happening. Yep, for sure. Uh, we go over to. Uh, the Draper's house, and Megan has prepared dinner for Don. She uh, pretends she doesn't want to talk about her day, but then she does. Oh, of and, wa- and watching Don struggle to give a shit is painful. <laughs> well, I like how he handles it. She, he's like, "You want to talk about it?" And she's like, "No, not really." He's like, "So what's for dinner?" Uh huh. <laughs> like, all right, come on. I know you want to talk about it. And she goes on to talk about it anyway. She says. Uh, she tells him about what happened on the set that day, and Don, I guess, tries to cheer her, cheer her up by saying that tomorrow's another day. But it's, I mean, he's just speaking to her in platitudes, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not really interested. And also, what do you think about the sirens? This is the first time I really noticed them this episode. Oh, were they in the background in this scene, too? Yeah. Okay. And, like, they seem to... So I think, obviously, they serve to show how dangerous and kind of decayed New York City is getting. Yeah. Um, but also I thought it was interesting that they seemed to get loudest when Megan was talking almost to the point of drowning her out a little bit. Yikes. Did you think that, did you get any of that symbolism? No, I didn't hear the sirens in this scene. I did hear them later on when she's on the balcony. Yeah. Well, they were Uh, there again. It's like, you know, when she's in the middle of her trying to talk about her feelings and the way she's talking to life, the sirens got super loud, which I thought was another way of showing how Don's kind of checked out with her. Well, there, I actually assumed, because it's right after the scene with the ambulance and Peggy. You think that's Abe's? I thought that was Abe and Peggy <laughs> speeding by in an ambulance. Uh, uh, but who knows? Anyway, so on the way home uh, from their soiree, Henry asked Betty about what that old dude said to her. Uh, Stuart something. I'm just going to keep it with Stuart. Uh, after some coaxing, she tells him, and they, they get it on. Yep. Henry, uh, Henry Fleischman goes into action. They're in a limo, correct? This I is not so. a taxi cab, okay? No, I don't think you can tell if you're a taxi cab driver to give you some privacy and he has a motorized <laughs> glass that goes up. All right. You can't pour <laughs> champagne. No. All right. Anyway, so, so it seems to me here like Henry enjoys having this trophy wife in Betty. Yeah. Right, I mean, he he knew what was going on, and then it got him uh, a little hot under the collar. Mm-hmm. So both he and Betty are enjoying her new uh, figure. Yeah, and she's all the way back in this episode. Oh yeah, totally. She was like a little half back on on before, but she's all the way back to classic Betty. Yep. 
Uh, we go over to Roger in the office. He's playing with his grandson and flirting with some of the women there in the office. And he's going to take his grandson to the zoo that day. And to a movie. And to a movie. Yeah. Planet of the Apes, as we learned later. And she's, he's teaching his grandson how to flirt. Yep. Uh, what you? Th- I thought it was interesting that uh, he asked his grandson what his type was, and then Joan walks in the background and he goes, <laughs> "I'll tell you later what mine is." Yep. Uh, the kid's name too. is Ellery. Ellery? Yeah. What the hell kind of name is Ellery? I don't know. I've never heard the name Ellery. Yeah, I haven't either. I had to. I actually had to flip on CC and rewind it because I couldn't. After three or four listens, I'm like, "What the hell is she saying?" Uh, but you didn't flip on closed captioning for Stewart's last name? No. Uh-uh. Oh, I hate bastard. turning on closed captioning. I only do it when I absolutely have to. All right. Um, and also he was the, not an important enough character. All, and also to make my girlfriend happy because she loves watching stuff with the closed captioning. Is she going deaf? What's no, I don't know. Here? I don't know what it is. It's a strange thing, but she really – she it, it increases her enjoyment like twofold, it seems. Wow. It does the opposite for me. Yeah. I, I get so fixated on reading. I've gotten used, I've gotten used to it, but and I and in fact it's it's to the point where now like most of the time on my second or third viewing I just go ahead and flip it on. Yeah. But yeah, I find the same way where um I my eyes are like in competition between reading the words and watching the people's faces. Yep. And usually the words win, so for sure. Uh we go over to the Pete Pit where Pete is meeting with Duck. Who tells him that he needs to learn how to manage his family before he'll be able to learn to be able to manage anything else? Mm-hmm. Uh, some good advice for Pete there. I mean, Pete has not had much luck with family lately. So it's like because he's ignoring them. Well, right? and it's also it's kind of telling that. So one of the theories that the internet is going on with Bob Benson is he's actually <laughs> Duck Phillips inside man. That's coordinating what? like interviews and trying to headhunt these people. How okay? So okay, if the, right. outside point of view is that this new agency SCDP GCGEC uh, whatever. Let's just call them Twenty Seven Yankees. Twenty seven. If the Twenty Seven Yankees are murderers row, but <laughs> it seems like Duck has all the dirt on Pete. Yeah. Does that mean outside of you know the the company that, that Pete is the one kind of odd man out? You know, I hadn't even thought about that. It did seem like he had some inside information. I mean, if people right? are blowing smoke up Her- Her- uh, Henry's or uh, Harry's ass. Uh huh. I mean, that's that's that is incredible to me. And then they'd also just basically shit all over Pete again from know, see, outside looking in. You got to think Harry is in a very important position, right? He's the head of like television marketing, right? So. I can see why people just at a glance would assume this is a very capable guy. He's the director of something. Yeah, yeah. And you got Joe Namath in a straw hat. Becoming more and more <laughs> of a deal. Right? True, true. So, looking at what Pete has done, you don't have that much information about yeah. him. He's an, he's an accounts man. He's a junior partner who is in competition with seven other partners, right? Or five, I guess now, right? Uh, and like the guy points out, you. Look, you're, there's a lot of kitchen, cooks in that kitchen, right? Right. So you got to think Pete maybe doesn't look as important as Harry looks hmm. in that organization from the outside. I think it's funny that there's really only one more chief. If you account for all the deaths, there's really only one body that's been net added to the company. And people <laughs> yeah. are freaking out about it. 
That's true. And we also know that they went through a lot around the fat trimming, like, you know, the, yep. the, um, ah, shit, who's the guy that got fired by Roger? Burt? Yeah, Bert yeah. Peter, I mean, the Burt Petersons of the world have been, have been axed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, how does he know so much about what's going on in the new company? Do you think it's possible that Bob Benson is some sort of mole? It is very possible. Inter intercompany espionage. Very possible. Is there what theory could I float that you would reject at this point? <laughs> that Bob Benson is in fact just a normal person trying to do a good, <laughs> good job at work. That's the only. That's that's the most outrageous thing I could say. And you're like, no, that's too crazy. Yes. All right. Uh, anyway, I, I enjoyed the comment here where he's talking about I found my wellspring of confidence. He responds with gin. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on to the next scene. Don runs into Betty at a gas station on his way to uh, Bobby's camp, and she's lost, and she's looking for directions, and Don tells her to follow him. Cock blocks that country bumpkin oh, gas yeah. station attendant. That guy thought he had a chance until Don <sighs> walked up. Yeah, he had no chance. <laughs> and I like how dismissive he is. Uh-huh. Yeah, just filled up with yeah, unleaded. right. And then he expects that the guy's going to walk away. Yeah, it's basically like a sup- it's like a superior version of when the teenage captain of the football team walked in on Pete and just crushed his chance. Oh yeah, in it, the yeah in the driver's ed. Yeah, class. this is like you know. Remember how we said that like what would happen to like Don walked in that room? We just basically did see what happened. Yeah, everybody else is shut down. Yeah. <laughs> he just he blew away the competition, which wasn't even competition. No, even at forty years of age, Don is still Don is still living it up. Yeah, they're both pitching. They're both pitching their fastball here, as they kind of you know allude later on. Yeah, so uh, I guess she follows him. Obviously, speaking of moving from smooth to not so smooth, <laughs> uh, we go back to Ted and Peggy and Pete, who get back from their pitch, find out that Flashman. Wants more information about market to share. Then the real crux of this scene, Teddy calls Peggy to the office to demo uh, his paranoia about their kiss. He's like, he's freaking out. Oh, you touched my hand. You smiled at me. Yeah. Uh, Peggy says she's forgotten about it, but Ted obviously hasn't. Uh, but he he eventually in this scene does agree that he should. Yeah, but also he's, he basically hints that he's thought about leaving his wife for Peggy. I mean, he... Oh, does he? Yeah, when he said, uh, look, I know we both have other people in our lives, and believe me, I've considered a lot further than that. Mm, I mean, that means he's basically like, okay, well, what does that mean? How would this work out? Yeah. yeah. Um, And, you know, I I left that with, like, they're both going to be good because other people in their life, but Mm -hmm. he basically, you know, confessed his love for her. Yeah. Which I, I feel like, you know, it made the... What happens at the end of this episode, kind of a betrayal of her. Yeah, the end of this episode is crazy. We'll we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah. Um, it does seem like they're setting up a lot of loyalty shifts in this episode, I guess. I mean, we know Harry but, Harry's kind of on the fence. I mean, if he do, when he doesn't become a partner, he's definitely going to try to go somewhere else, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete is taking meetings with headhunters. Peggy is now asking do you want me to work someplace else like mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that they're shifting around here right uh which i'm interested to see how it all plays out in the coming episodes yeah and ted just comes across as weak and passive aggressive in this episode oh yeah. you know it's like 
yeah, you're the boss and she's a protege. It is cliched. And yeah, you shouldn't have brought it up. And yeah, you should, I mean, Peggy had forgotten about it and moved on. And now he's going to dredge all that stuff back up just in time to shut her down when she could, you know, use, I mean, if, if you're not going to be her lover, at least be her friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ, you can't have this kind of intimacy with someone and then completely deny it later on. I just, I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm not saying jump in bed with her. That's why it felt so weird at the end. I, I mean, guess. I mean, you don't have to jump in in bed with her. That would probably be, you know, I mean, why? And if nothing else, why would he want to be her rebound? But yeah, yeah. yeah. But what? The I certainly hell? think that plays a factor in his uh, reaction at the end. Yeah, the way he just completely shut her down, though. Yeah, yeah, it it, it was surprising. Certainly. Yeah. But we'll we'll get there. Uh, Don meets up with Be- Betty and Bobby, and they sing the Father Abraham song. Uh, I, I assume this is a song frequently heard in the 60s. Beats the hell out of me, man. Okay. <laughs> like, it's funny because I was reading Tom and Lorenzo, and they're like, we tried to connect this to like Abe being stabbed and like the emotions <laughs> of the hands. Like, but nah, that's even a reach for us. Yeah. But, Abe is really Bobby's father. But they do think that there's uh, a tie-in with Rogers, you know, trying to connect with his mini surrogate sons in this episode. Interesting. And being okay. rebuffed all around. I couldn't help but note how how good this family looks together. Oh, sure. Them all sitting around this table singing and having it's fun. It's like something out of a Hojo catalog. Yeah, and certainly I'm not the only one to notice that. I mean, Don himself notices it, right? I mean, this is kind of where he starts to go where the thought that he later expresses to her enters his mind. Like, would this be what it was like if we hadn't ever split up? Hell no. Yeah, we all laughed out loud at that point. Can can I ask you the most important thing, the thing I've been most curious about through the – the most thing I've been most wanting to ask you. Sure. Is Bobby Five a blatant short circuit reference? (laughs) Johnny Five? Yeah. Bobby Bobby Five? Five? I don't – that's a stretch, man. Maybe. Maybe the wiener loves uh, Steve Gutenberg robot <laughs> buddy movies as much as I do. Maybe. It's certainly possible. <sighs> uh, so we we get sleazy in the next scene. GLP uh, enters Joan's office and asks her for some advice on how to deal with his mother. It doesn't, on the surface, seem very sleazy, but it's GLP. Well, so. it's yeah, it's got a sleazy undertone. Yeah, <laughs> automatically. Uh, Joan tells him that she can't solve those problems because she has those problems, yep. which I thought was a great line. Um, I like how Pete literally and sincerely th- thunk, thunk her, thunk her. thanked her for nothing. Yeah. Thank you. For what? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so why do you think he was so in I think he just her? wants somebody to talk to and to be a friend to him, you know? Yeah. He's got no family at this point. He His only why do you connections think, are at his job, and those aren't real either. Why do you think Joan can connect with Pete on this level? I, I mean, She was totally disgusted know. with him circa yeah. last week, year's, uh, you know, fees and commissions episode. Well, when they first started off this relationship, you're right. She was disgusted. Um... I think now maybe she pities him a little bit, so she isn't being as hard on him and just telling him to go away when he starts talking. As she said later, he's the only person that hasn't broken a promise to me in the office. Which I guess is true, although he played a hand in her sleeping with Herb. Well, but again, he was completely upfront about all that. Absolutely he was, yes. Off-puttingly so, but he didn't try to (laughs) dissemble or manipulate her or do anything but tell her straight. 
Yeah. Why do you think? Um, why do you think Don was not included in this category? What promise did he break to her? I mean, I, I felt like that's. Huh. I mean, she's pissed at the way he treated Herb for you know lots of different reasons, but that's not exactly. He didn't promise to be nice to him. <laughs> that wasn't like an implied promise. No, no. uh. Uh-uh. I mean, he's never, to my knowledge, they've always seemed to have like a super. Uh, good mutual respect as sexual apex predator type relationship. Yeah, she probably felt slighted. I mean, she obviously felt slighted by what he did. So then her. she doesn't literally mean that Pete's the only one who hasn't broken a promise. That's to her. what I was assuming. Okay, yeah. she's just left over mad about that. Okay, pretty much. Uh, and I, I may be wrong about that. But if there is a lie that you remember Don telling uh, Joan, well, not lie, promise. Okay, yes, if there's Although a promise I, I, you I can't think of a lie he, he said Joan, either, yeah. Then let us know, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out in this scene that Joan has plans. She's uh, off to dinner with somebody. Bob Benson? Hell yeah, mm-hmm. it's Bob Benson. Uh, we go over to Megan's house, and Arlene has come over to uh, give her some advice about her career under the guise of helping her work on the script. Mm-hmm. And they just have a little chat about it there real quick i thought it was interesting again talking about margarine butter and inversions of roles uh at the very beginning megan goes in for a kiss and she rebuffs her by saying that she's <laughs> you know what did she say she's wet or damp or yeah i think she said damp um because she, she walked sweaty all the way from the west side and they talk about these maniacs in the park which i'm i'm thinking because i did some research and there weren't any overt references to times like when this episode took place. Um, but I did find that in July 3rd in 1968, a neo-Nazi Bulgarian immigrant uh, okay. opened fire in Central Park and killed a 24-year-old woman and 80-year-old man before being gunned down by police. Mm, um, that could have been Roger and one of his acquaintances. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> you think- got lucky, Roger. So I'm thinking that, yeah, that 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 this ha- that that is probably the reference that they're talking about. Her, you know, risking her life walking through the park, and her saying, "I'm not going to let a few maniacs yeah. uh, dissuade me." I mean, obviously, you know, crime is just on a general increase, but that's the specific event it happened July third. So that's where I'm tagging this as being somewhere in the middle of July. That would be approximately a month, a little bit more than a month from last episode. Okay. Uh, then we go back to um, the camp, to Bobby's camp, and Megan is, or Megan. Jesus, I wrote Megan in my notes. Betty is sitting out on the kind of the the porch there, and Don comes up. He's got a bottle of something, some sort of drink. Got to be Canadian Club. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta figure it is. Um. And they share that drink, and he they talk about their kids, and then they share a bed. Mm-hmm. Boom. Don moves in in the uh, most Don way possible. Very smooth. Yeah, Very and smooth Peggy Don. was after him, I thought, because no, she... Betty was after him, not God Peggy. damn it, yeah. <laughs> um... Not Megan, not Peggy. <laughs> Neither one of us are remembering Betty's name. Betty is after him because she's the one that, like, when he kind of, like, they shook hands or whatever, oh, yeah. she pulled his hand to him, and bought, and Don's like, yeah, keep walking. Then she left the door open for him. Yeah. Well, I felt like Don was the one who hung on to her hand. Oh, really? I thought longer she... Than well, that, at the end, I, she pulled him... I thought, here's how it happened. I thought she pulled him to her... 
and then he kind of like resisted so she kind of let the arm go back and uh, towards the middle but then when she tried to disengage he then held on for her so maybe it's oh okay it could be a little bit i don't know that he would have done that without her sending the signal though maybe i okay. don't know yeah maybe uh, what happened is a 2 a.m and knock on a door if she hadn't uh you know initiated things and she knows yeah. knows him so well that she knew that was the end game so fuck it sure and she was apparently game because they hook up mm-hmm. um despite henry being a great guy and all and uh the limousine slash taxi cab sex not enough <laughs> for old betty no you can't uh it's it's <laughs> it's tough putting up with margarine when you got butter on the table she's just concerned she wants to keep the calories off she's just gotta get a workout for the day <laughs> Anyway, I thought it was interesting when they when Dawn first comes up and says, uh, he makes a comment about her shorts, and she's like, oh, mosquitoes ignore me. He says, not in those shorts. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that was, mm. that was pretty apt, considering the mosquitoes that she was dealing with earlier at the, the soiree. Ooh, is this another Dawn's a vampire reference? Oh, it could be. Another bloodsucker in the scene? Yeah, and it could be. Dawn moves in? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, we go back to the Draper apartment where Megan and Arlene are still hanging out. Uh, Megan tells her about the problem she's been having with Don, and Arlene goes in for the kiss. Just boom. Do you think... Smacks one on Megan. Yeah. Uh, Megan turns down her advances, and things get awkward, so she leaves. Many times. Multiple times it gets awkward. <laughs> uh... yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It's like... <laughs> She totally misunderstood her like two times <laughs> and tried to go back in. Well, don't you think, though, that Arlene has a little bit of point about her being a tease? Do you think that Megan... Oh, yeah. Zooby zoo! Megan had, on, Megan had her over, you know, because like Arlene says, like, this is a simple part. You know, yeah, fucking yeah. memorize your lines. This is, you know, why, are, why did you have me over and talk about being lonely and then continually, you know, give her kind of signals... That are easy to interpret the one way. I, right after she kisses her, she grabs her hand. Like yes. Megan grabs Arlene's hand. Yes. Yes. And then she goes back in for another kiss, which I can see why she did at that point. Like, yes. I don't know. I mean, it's so hard because there's a lot of lonely people in this episode. Pete's lonely. Certainly. Megan is certainly lonely. And then... She just wants someone to talk to, right? But do you think she wants some of that attention, too? Probably. Probably. I don't think she's the same way that Betty is in that regard. No. no. She's not as bad as Betty in that regard. But But then again, Betty hadn't, you know, Megan's not been married to Dawn for 10 years. And got fat and (laughs) And not had that attraction. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think Betty was always a little bit, you know kind of wanting Don more than Don wanted her. And that had been going on for probably years and years and years. So yeah, yeah. that's why she might be extra into the attention and kind of the, you know, being, being a exhibitionist at this point in her career, mm-hmm. especially after, like you said, she went through at least a year of, of being, you know, experiencing what it's like to be kind of unattractive and young yeah. men making even jokes about her. And now she's back in the fighting. She got her fighting weight back, and I mean, it's kind of sad that so much of her self image and whatnot is is wrapped up in her physical appearance. Yeah, yeah, she's she's broken that way. I mean, look know? how confident and insightful <laughs> she know. is in this episode compared to how self loathing and horrible she is in the fat episodes. Right, right, yeah. Well, D- different I mean, people. Yeah, different yeah. people, man. 
Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. Megan's a, a little bit that way too. Mm-hmm. She certainly does enjoy the attention she gets. Um, uh, yeah, to a lesser degree though. I mean, whenever we see her signing autographs, she's always a little weirded out by it. Hmm. She's never like, oh, I'm reveling in this, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Well, but part of that is have we ever seen her get that attention where she wasn't with Don or her mother? No. Like never. to the people that she's most self-conscious about her fame and, you know, kind of feels yeah. the most little girls around? Like yeah, it'd be interesting to see her if, like, she was just with her and Sally or her and that, you know, redheaded idiot from last season. Yeah. Uh, we Wow, we're running long. We have talked a lot about this episode already. Anyway. I think we uh, front-loaded a lot of conversation. We did. Yeah. Uh, so after the first sexing, Don and Betty talk <laughs> about their relationship and the nature of intimacy. I mean, they get pretty deep into each other's heads. In oh, this. yeah. Well, we got some. We got a deep dive no, no, into no. this one, too. Don doesn't get deep into her head. No, he Don deep starts, into something, but she gets deep into his head. Yeah, because Don tries to keep it kind of surface in the same game he always spits. Like, yes. oh, I missed you. Yeah. That's what he says to fucking everyone after. It's bullshit. You know, it's been a while since he's fucked them. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and what he does miss is in, you know the gaping hole of affection in his heart. Yeah, and, and he, he asked, you know, do you feel guilty? Like, what is with him and? You know, having to have this Scarlet Letter conversation with everyone he fucks this season. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. And I like I like Betty's response. Like, no, this happened a long time ago. Yeah. Like, you know, it's yeah. like, I fucked you a long time ago, and I fucked you again. How can Henry be jealous? That's <laughs> an interesting way to look at. Yeah, that's a little creative. Yeah, well, I'm not. It's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I always find that creepy when a relative says. <laughs> Ooh, ooh. Don't go where I hope where I think you're going. Yeah, like a relative says something about you have you know, it's like uh grow when you start growing up and you're starting to be self conscious about, you know, like just not you know, you're four years old, you just shuck naked in front of anybody. Sure, sure. You grow up and you start thinking, you know, and but your aunt's always there to say, It's nothing oh God, am I is this <laughs> Is this, am I oversharing, Jim? I oh, feel like God. I'm starting to overshare. Oh, but no. your aunt says something like, "It's not something <laughs> it's I haven't." Something s- like, yeah, it's not <laughs> something I haven't seen already. And you're like, "Well, fuck you." That was back when I was three years old, and I'm starting to grow hair on <laughs> my balls now. You haven't seen yeah. this. <laughs> you haven't seen this, Granny? <laughs> Whip down your pants. <laughs> Is this starting to get uncomfortable? Uh, a little. bit. Where That's... the hell was I going with this? I don't know, man. I don't know. No, it's, but it's a little bit like that. It's like that logic doesn't fly. Yes, so it's like so. That's my, right. I'm a, I'm, so I'm a I'm a 35 year old man now. If I'm you know in a family reunion, kind of stripped naked because most of these people <laughs> have seen me when I was three, running around with my diaper off at a pool. But try it, try it, and let me know okay. how it goes. All right, all right, let me know how that goes for you. I missed a family opening pool party this weekend. It would have been a perfect example <laughs> to try out our theory. Uh, so after that that deep conversation, where I think. Like I said before, Betty totally nails Don here. Well, mm-hmm. let's. God, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to not speak in innuendos here. <laughs> she totally understands what is going on in Don's head, right? Yeah, I mean, she gets him, and that's uh, th- there's this like weird connection that they have that almost makes me think that they could be good together again, and I think. That's what Don is thinking at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he, I mean, he asks, is this what it would have been like? Uh, 
it's just we know that that's not going to work out, and Betty knows that that's not going to work well, out. Well, it's his attraction to the whole Madonna whore complex on steroids. Yeah. Betty looked like a good mom. Yeah, and she turns out to be a terrible one. She, but man, she in, in interacting with Bobby and them, they're all this family, which hits Bo, da, um, Don right in the mom spot. Uh-huh. And then she gets in bed with them and is super in, insightful. But like she says, it's like you know, I've she's basically said I've seen this movie. You're gonna look yeah. at me like this, and let's say we make this on a regular basis, and I'm gonna slowly watch that affection. And I love the choice of words, decay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's such a perfect way to describe Don's and how sad that must be to be someone like Megan, where you see this guy and he's full of this almost rapturous love for you. Mm-hmm. And he's this amazing man and he's brilliant and he's captivating and he's extremely attractive and, and sexual. And then you haven't changed. Nothing you've done has brought it on, but yeah. you can just tell that. He's losing interest in you. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the definition of lust, right? Yeah. I mean, Don's relationship with women is just lust. Right. And and I thought it's interesting how Bet- Betty talks about sex and how close it is to someone where Don views it as like climbing a mountain. Yeah. And so do you buy that sex, the physical act of sex means nothing to Don Draper? Uh, well. Um, mostly, yes. I think it's Almost interesting entirely. when he is rent when he's renting sex. Mm-hmm. He focuses more on you know getting slapped around and stuff like that. Rent like when he's paying for it. Yeah, like the only time I've seen him with a hooker is is when he was you know paying to be renting. slapped around. You can't give back sex. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to explain. So the, going the, back to the... Betty's mothering uh-huh do you think that wiener is is creating a character here who he thinks is a genuinely bad mother or who he thinks is a realistic mother well i mean i kind of had some uh you know back and forth with some uh fellow fans on facebook last week where people were like about this yeah call me oh, a wow. task about why do you continually harp on betty like my mother. yeah it's like my mother was way worse than that and blah 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 and i'm like i don't know i mean that I understand that lots of parents were bad back then, and yeah. you know, um, but on the other hand, I mean, I'm just calling it as I see it. Betty is emotionally abusive towards especially Sally, and just yep. doesn't seem to handle normal things like you know exploration of your sexuality and expressing individuality, and um, you know helping. Parent, uh, children deal with the divorce she doesn't deal with any of that stuff and i'm like yeah. you know um maybe no one did back then but it's like you know i don't see anyone i don't see anyone rushing I, it's curious to me why people are so defensive some people are so defensive about betty's motherhood where nobody rushes to support harry for his casual racism <laughs> that's just as much sure. part of a time i mean yeah, people definitely. were fucking stupid and they didn't know any better but to be fair, there, there are still is. a lot of terrible parents. That's I mean, true. Terrible parenting has not gone away. But it's uh, different nowadays. Like, if yeah. you just backhanded your kid in a store, that would probably not pass without comment. Yeah. Whereas back then, if it made people uncomfortable, people would probably be like shrug. It was like, well, you know, spare the rods, build a child. 
I feel like that as civilization has advanced, you know, another 50 plus years, we are kinder and gentler in many real non-superficial ways. Yeah, I agree. And that backs out. I I think Wiener is just writing a realistic, what what he views as a realistic mother of the time period. So you don't think she's exceptionally poor mother by 60s standards? The problem is I don't have any reference, right? I wasn't alive in the 60s. Right. So I don't really know. To me, she comes off as just a terrible parent. Right. A disgusting, <laughs> a disgusting human being right. in most respects. But that kind of goes along with all the other characters in the show. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard for me to say that she's exceptionally terrible in this in this environment. Yeah, I can I can go along with that. So, I don't know. We, we, we talked about uh, Betty's closing, devastatingly correct analysis of, of Don's relationship with Megan. Which was? That poor girl, she doesn't know that loving you is the worst way to get to you. We have not. That says it all, right? It does. Yeah, it does. Uh, you want to make Don love sick, fucking reject him. Be completely <laughs> over him. Do, do Pull a Sylvia on him. Well, think about it. And that right? goes, I mean, that goes with Sylvia. That goes with when Betty finally womaned up and left her. Yeah. Uh, that goes to Peggy when she, uh, you know, left Don. That's how you make Don really sick. Yeah. Do you think totally. that you could, <laughs> do you think that someone could form a semi-stable relationship around that <laughs> dynamic? I think so. I think if Megan were to ignore him in certain ways... And reject him in certain ways. Yeah, she might be able to. Mm. I think she might. Is, it, is is that is that healthy? No, certainly not. Well, sometimes though, it, you need unhealthy behaviors to balance out someone else's unhealthy behaviors. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's the optimum way to go, but yeah, yeah. I've seen. I, I guess I shouldn't say it's not healthy, but I can. I've seen stableness form around stuff like that. Yeah, I get you. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll see that. I mean, maybe Megan will start to understand what makes Don tick a little bit more, mm-hmm. and she'll try something like that. Mm-hmm. But for now, we need to move on. Uh, Abe startles Peggy while he's patching up a broken window, and they argue about how safe it is in the neighborhood, and Abe agrees that they should move out of the building. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, yep, we're we're going to leave just in time to get stabbed. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's bad news. Well, it's interesting because I think Abe was right in the middle of making the same mistake that Peggy made, which is basically to betray his real Mm. desires and feelings to make another person happy. Yeah. That never works. So he would have got out to the suburbs and he would have said, I hate this. Yeah. That, that never, that, that is not real compromise. That's just basically, you know, you know, subsuming yourself for someone else. And that just never works in the long run. Yeah. And Abe has very strong ideas about who he is and who he wants his children to be. Yeah. No doubt about that. Indeed. So eventually that would have come home to roost. Mm hmm. Uh, Roger gets a call from his daughter, who is angry about him taking his grandson to see Planet of the Apes, even though Don took his kid to see it. Uh, she tells him that he can't see his grandson anymore without his mother being there, too. Wow. Yeah, Margaret's a bitch in this scene. Like, I get you it. You take him to one movie, it's like, yeah, and, and now you can't speak to your grandson. Yeah, and, and I get it. Like, not everyone has the same thresholds for sensitivity and... You know, what some people do with their kids and it's fine and normal is not appropriate. And every child's different, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. 
But to insist that the grandfather has supervised parenting time because he took him to see <laughs> Planet of the Fucking Apes for real? Yeah. I mean, ah, I don't know. How old know. is Bobby? Bobby's eight? Yeah, probably. It seems like eight yeah, or nine. He's twice as old as uh, little Eloise or whatever his name is. Right. Ellipsis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is his name? I don't uh, even remember. Ellery. Ellery. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, so he might be a little young for that, but maybe. But your point is still valid. Yeah. Just as, it's I like mean, one like, mistake. Mad Brew's daughter was raised around zombie films, like from the time she was an infant. So she's like exceptionally hardcore yeah. when it comes time to that. But she's also a drama queen and a complete mess about other stuff. That my so my son's a complete horror pussy. Like, if I showed him The Walking Dead... Just like you. He would not... <laughs> pretty much. He would yeah. not sleep for a week. Wow. A week. Whereas she wouldn't bite, bite an eyelash. But then again, you know, uh, my son wouldn't lose his shit if a, a, a pitcher of Coke got dumped on his lap at a pizza place. And I know from first-hand experience, <laughs> Mad Bruce's daughter totally does. So it's like, you got different strengths and weaknesses, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, so Roger here tries to defend himself by saying that when he was four, the golem came out and he saw that. Uh, we did, we did the, a little chronology work here, didn't we? We did uh, to find out that it was all for naught because we already knew that Roger is uh, born in 1917. Approximately. Which that makes him, what, 50? 52 at the time? 51. 51 in 1968. And which is so. right around his real age. Yeah, yeah. John Slattery's real age, rather. Yep. Uh, which I was surprised to find out because the white hair throws me off, man. I feel like that's about the gap that we see between him and, and Don, too. That that fit. Like that's that's a good... 11 years. That's a good approximate birth date for him. Yeah. Uh, but the I did a little uh, looking on the golem. It was a horror movie, which I guess by the time uh, would have been scary. I don't know. Silent horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, way back in the day. came out in... 1915 in Germany and like 1921 here or something. Um, and the plot synopsis is as follows. In modern times, an antiques dealer finds... Uh, modern times being 1920. All right. 1921. An antiques dealer finds a golem, a clay statue brought to life by a rabbi four centuries earlier. The dealer resurrects the golem as a servant, but the golem falls in love with the dealer's wife. As she does not return his love... The Gollum commits a series of murders. Mm. Uh, so I don't know how that relates to Roger. I don't know that it does relate to Roger. Uh, it's just something that scared him as a child. Mm. I didn't do too much thinking about that. Uh, we don't have time for it right now. So, Well, is that a commentary on uh, Dot and Sylvia's relationship? Dot and Sylvia, her not returning his love. Mm-hmm. And he's eh, going on be. an emotional rampage. <laughs> sure. Leaving Megan and yeah. Be- Betty. Uh, devastated in his wake, maybe even Peggy by the time the series is over. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Don wakes up in the morning, and he's by himself. Uh, Betty's no longer, no, not anywhere to be found. He goes to the cafe, and lo and behold, Betty is sitting with Henry at the table. Happy as a clam. No, oh, totally happy. He says, good morning, and he goes off to eat by himself. And he, he looks over at him. He's got this very lonely look on his face. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I had that, you know? Uh, and not just, I wish I had Betty. I wish I had the relationship that Betty and Henry obviously had. Yeah, and I, uh, well, uh-huh. well. Well, he knows yeah, a little he, bit more no, than Henry Don, knows Don at that point. Don wants but. to be in a loving type of relationship, desperately. Yeah. 
And, I mean, that's what they have. I mean, aside from sleeping with him, Betty rejected him. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Well, I mean, there, I forgot another point of, like, the whole butter or margarine theory. Um, did, did you think it was interesting when Megan was talking about her character where she's like, you know, I don't understand. I can I can be his mother or his lover. I can't be both. That's just bad writing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of commentary on her relationship with Don. She's always trying to be – I mean, of late, yeah. it seems like she's in the total mother role. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of interesting layers to the writing and performing in, in this particular episode. Yeah, and that goes along with what we saw of the flashbacks in, in Don's uh, history last episode. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, <laughs> his lover is there uh, taking his virginity and teaching him a few things. His mother is there with a wooden spoon beating him about the yeah, head for it. Exactly. Like, right. you can't be both of those people to Don, it just yep. doesn't work. So, I think you're onto something there. Uh, Joan and Bob Benson, Bob, Bob frickin' Benson, mm-hmm. are packing up to go to the beach when Roger shows up at Joan's apartment. And he's obviously surprised to see her with someone and decides to leave after giving a flimsy reason for being there. Something about paperwork. I don't know. It was it was not a good excuse. So, so have you read Tom and Lorenzo's analysis this week yet? Nine. Uh, they got a theory that Bob Benson's actually gay. <laughs> Whoa, that would be a twist with him what, uh, but, making moves on Joan. Well, but think why about it. it. Why have why, you why? seen even the slightest bit of heterosexual lust in this relationship at, or heat? And you're at with, all, and you're with Christina Hendricks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like they're there alone in an intimate session. They're just packing and just discussing, and he's just hanging out there in his his in in his hot pants. Okay, I'm assuming that this is the next day from the dinner that they had, and that Bob Benson stayed over. You're you're that's what that. I'm assuming. But you're right; they don't show it to us. Yeah, and he's never been anything but politely attentive to her in any scene we've seen of them together. But he has never been anything but politely attentive to anyone exactly why why does that make him gay no i'm I'm telling two gay men are saying that their their gaydar has been aroused with this person so i i'm not saying but there's no evidence yet right no their evidence is flimsy at best like roger's excuse yeah kind of oh so bob benson as a g-man is rock solid but (laughs) we can't speculate about his sexual (laughs) orientation based on his lack of sexual attraction to christina hendricks Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I got to tell you, that little sailor outfit she had going on, that was doing it for me. Oh, dude, when she came back to the office with those, like, slightly sunburnt cheeks, (laughs) she was too fucking cute. Right? My God. I know, Christine Hendricks. That's butter right there. I have no idea how old she is, but wow. Fantastic. All right, so I I noticed in this scene we've got the coffee cups, obviously, Bob (laughs) Benson. So I... Actually, that kind of points to the fact that he didn't sleep over. He brought those coffee cups with him. Yeah. Maybe he just uh, went out. Yeah, th- I- those are actually a New York staple. I don't know if I've talked about this before. Have I? No. Uh-oh. They're like the defining coffee cup of New York City. Really? You go there, you can still get those to this day. They're called Anthora Cups. Uh, and they're d- a design that was made a long time ago, and they've just held up over hmm. the years. Interesting. Tons of places use them. Uh, and pretty much up until like Starbucks got popular, mm-hmm. everybody was using those. Hmm. So, all right, I'm not a coffee drinker, uh, but this is where Bob Benson finds out about Pete's, Pete's uh, nursing issues, right? 
nursing issues. Right. <laughs> where he needs a nurse for so, his mother. So, in part, let's let's lay, I just want to make some observations here about some potential, you know, plot that we're going to discuss with uh, old Bob Bunsen here later. <laughs> Bunsen. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so he finds out that Roger and Joan have a history. Mm-hmm. And he... Finds out a way that he can further ingratiate himself with Pete. Do yeah. you think that he, this is still a part of his larger ploy of I'm trying to get in good with a partner, but oop, I see this partner has got a sexual entanglement with another partner, so now I'm going to switch my attention back to Pete? So he's partner hopping. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. He's angling to give him the best benefit. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. That's okay. what he's doing. All right. So do you every think every moment think of gonna, every day, that's what he's doing. Do you think he's going to totally be off Joan at this point? No, no, no. Why? Why close he's down? He's afraid that, of Roger. That he's pipeline. afraid Roger will be vindictive. I mean, Roger didn't exactly was subtle about oh, him not liking point. this. Yeah. So maybe Bob's going to back off, and you know, Joan's going to be confused. Had three dates with this interesting young man, and and never never went anywhere with it. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I'm I'm interested to see how they handle that in the following episodes, for sure. Uh, we go back over to Peggy's apartment, and she hears a commotion outside during the night. Sounds like an anarchist rape gang down there because they're yeah, screaming yeah. at one point. They're screaming anarchy, and there's women screaming and yeah, bottles being broken, screeching tires, people I mean, telling people to get off their yards. It's crazy. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so she goes to investigate, and she's got this makeshift spear. <laughs> Kitchen knife strapped. So she's she done. actually had this broom handle the first time when Abe was repairing the window. Yeah. But now she's attached a knife yeah, to the end. She's escalating. Definitely. And she escalates right into Abe's gut. And and this is kind of interesting because I feel like we were predisposed to be on Peggy's side during an earlier argument with Abe. It's like, come yeah, on, yeah. don't be a fucking idiot. I understand you want to protect minorities, but maybe help the police do their job. For sure. Yeah. Um, but then we see also – so that was like the one end of the radical, uh, you know, I guess radical leftist. But this is the other end of the like white flight. Someone is so fucking scared yeah. of being victimized that they end up hurting someone that they love. Yeah. I mean this is the uh, you know guy that's got a closet full of loaded guns and the kids ends up shooting one of the other kids with it. Yeah, yeah. No, she, she runs him right through. Yeah. Bad news for Abe. Yeah, that was... Oh, my God. That's the worst. Getting stabbed is got to be the worst. Other than being burned alive or... getting eight. stabbed in the gut is especially painful. Yeah. Um, and it it just, you know, even if you're going to die from it, it takes a long time. I don't think he it actually got into his viscera. It looked like it was only in there like an inch or two. It might have gone through his yeah, stomach, yeah. but it didn't like get into his guts. All right. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. Gut wound <laughs> is the worst. Anyway, so they jump in an ambulance, and they're off to take Abe to the hospital. But in the meantime, Abe's thinking, I want none of this crazy bitch. <laughs> so he breaks up with Peggy in spectacular fashion. Oh, yeah. This is the <laughs> this is the most devastating way to getting broken up with. Yeah, I loved this scene. <laughs> so good. And the, and the paramedics sitting there watching this awkward conversation happen. Yeah, I did. I actually, someone mentioned, I don't know if it's true or not, but someone mentioned on Reddit that back in the day, you didn't need any kind of qualifications to be like a paramedic EMT. Is essentially, are you willing to ride in the back of a meat wagon? So really? she's like, he's going to be okay. And the guy's like, eh, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, his bedside, wow. But it's also kind of weird. Uh, and also just, 
your activities are offensive to my every waking moment. <laughs> so you, you, there's no go. Because no, no, at no, some no, point no, I'm no, thinking no. like I started thinking, well, maybe we'll flash forward another month and they're trying to patch things up because this is a no, very crazy no, experience. No. Maybe he's high on morphine. But you can't walk back from you'll always be my enemy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's spectacular. And, all, and and tying it up with the offensive article, you know, it's like, oh, you gave me a great ending to the article. Yeah, right. Oh, it's poor EMT. Wow. Poor EMT, poor Peggy. Mm. And she's obviously devastated by it, uh, as we'll see in a later scene. But uh, first we go over to Don and Megan in their apartment. Uh, Megan's out on the balcony. And Don goes out there to meet her and uh, says that he missed her. And, like, she says, I'm always missing you. And they talk about, like, the complications in their failing relationship. Uh, Megan says that something's got to change, and Don agrees. Oh. Well, he Don, doesn't, Don doesn't actually, agree. He just he, said, he kisses her. <laughs> yeah, he basically acknowledges her yes. correctness. But he doesn't <laughs> promise correct, to do anything uh, about the problem. He's like, you're right. I haven't been there. Kiss. Yeah, not like I'm going to do different. You know, he just basically said, "You're right," which I think is a classic Don Draper rope-a-dope. True, she's going to hear what she, she wants to hear. Like out of that. he's admitting, right? And and he's agreeing, mm-hmm. but he's not really. Nope. And the sirens, mm. my God, the sirens! Abe and Peggy speeding by. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, the sirens. The sirens are interesting. Uh, we've kind of talked about that though, so mm-hmm. let's keep moving. Roger visits Joan in her office to give her the gift that he was going to give her when he showed up at her house with her delectable sunburnt cheeks. Yes, I love the attention to detail in the show. They went to the beach. Right? She's a ginger. Of course, she'd have pink cheeks. <laughs> yeah, um, Lincoln Logs, a uh, good gift at the time. What huh? a phallic gift! Oh, but come on, that kid's going to love wants his to Lincoln slip Logs. Joan as Lincoln Log. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Anyway, Joan tells Roger that he can't be a part of Kevin's life. Roger says he just wants to be around, and Joan says that she can't count on that because mm. he's never been around before. I feel like Roger had it rough this episode. Like He got his grandson and his son effectively cut off. Yeah, well, I mean. It's rough justice, You want to feel sorry for him, but Joan's absolutely right. It's like, well, I'm glad yeah. you want to be in his life today, but what happens tomorrow when. You take him to Planet of the Apes. <laughs> or when you get into the cocktail waitress or selling Chevy and you miss his birthday. And, you know, are you. Yeah. It's, it's better to have an absent father that he thinks is that, that she can tell this hero story about mm-hmm. than to have you who's going to love bombing one moment and then ignore him the next. And it's hard to argue with that. For sure. Because, you know, maybe Roger is trying to turn over a new leaf, but it's not He's something He's tried before, you... right? I mean, he tried when he did his LSD trip. Um, he tried to turn over a new leaf, and then he ended up sleeping with uh, What's-Her-Face, his, his other ex. His other ex? Uh, that he bought the apartment for. And they ended up boning in the apartment and ruined oh. that, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I forget her name. But, but yeah, he tried to turn over a new leaf there, and it didn't work. Right, right. So I feel like you're right. Joan might be correct here. Uh, there's a <laughs> deliciously... Jane, Jane. That's Jane, his, Jane, his, yes. His wife was. There's a deliciously dismissive moment uh, when Roger calls Bob, Bob Bunsen. Yeah, I love <laughs> Cause it. Because you got to think he knows his real name, right? I know. He's just saying this for... I, it's funny either way. It's, okay. It's funny you, whether yes. he's trying to denigrate him in front of Joan, or it's funny if he just legitimately doesn't know the guy's name. Because <laughs> he doesn't care enough. <laughs> for sure. 
Uh, anyway, speaking of Bob Bunsen, yeah, Bob Bunsen approaches Pete about his mother, and he's found a nurse for Pete to talk to, and he's a fucking liar. Yeah, he is. We've caught him red-handed. Red-handed. Can we play that clip? Sure. All right, let's play it. I guess I was just remembering when my father died, and he gesture meant something to me. There wasn't supposed to be a card. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He's totally. dangling off an electric wire. I've never uh, heard that part of it. There, there are many different ways. I guess this could sort of be true. No, 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 like, no. Cause no, because he, he literally no. says the doctor is available because he just nursed his father back to hell. Yeah, yeah. Unless the guy's got two fathers. Which there's, I mean, there. Does that tie into him being gay? Were his parents gay? Did he have two fathers? That's one. That po- that's saying? one potential. But what if he had like a stepfather? You yeah, know, that yeah. like his real father abandoned him. And... No, I prefer to think that Bob Benson is a liar. All right, I, I'm I'm not going to argue with you. I think that's the most likely. You know, that's the most likely scenario, and why I'm starting to come around to the idea that you know there is something more to this guy because he lies with a facility that's startling. Right. I mean, think about was... him in the doctor's office. Well, and now we know that he so. either lied to Ken's face or he lied to Pete's face. Yeah. yeah. Mean, what's the odds that he's got this well-bred Spaniard? army trained nurse who you know it's like <laughs> uh-huh. what whose name's last name's cologne i mean what the fuck what the fuck well i don't feel like he would lie to that degree no well but i'm just saying like who is this guy that he's got these connections oh gotcha so certainly like the fbi could get like a military doctor right <laughs> right a g-man yeah uh-huh a cia certainly. guy operative so, like that's kind of where i'm leaning at this point like this That's guy is ridiculous. in here investigating why is some. He there? But why? I don't know, man. I don't know. Because of the Dow Chemical connection, there's some kind of national security at risk. I mean, do we really think so they when... give a shit about Dick Whitman at this point? Yeah, I feel like that's plus we not he already a sailed through. Anymore. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, yeah. he already sailed through the Lockheed Martin government investigation. Yeah. So I feel like that's not dangling. When did Bob Bunsen come into the picture? At the beginning of the season. What was happening? I mean, aside from them going on vacation to Hawaii, like, there hadn't been the merger yet. No, I'm not It doesn't I'm seem like there were like, any major events that would have caused I, an FBI operative to come yeah, into the organization. I, I don't think it's going to be that. I mean, obviously, at this point, something is being built with Bob Benson. Yes. You I cannot have know, a character around that long. We don't know what. I tend to reject the crazier things, like CIA operative, although... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also, um, found something on Reddit. He's a coffee vendor. Someone found out that, um, there was a real life. Oh, Robert Benson. Robert Benson, who was like a naval intelligence officer. <laughs> okay. No, Air Force intelligence officer. During that time? During this particular time frame. And I, I didn't, I didn't catch, I, I didn't, I saw this at lunch. And I'm like, what the hell? And I wrote it down, but I didn't have time to revisit it. But, mm, okay. um, Usually, Wiener doesn't pull that, like, on the nose. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's used real-life historical figures before, but that would be that would be an odd move for him to, to make. For sure. But, I, I'm not convinced that he's a G-man. Right. Uh, but there is something going on with Bob Benson. All right. Something. I'm I'm on board with that theory now. <laughs> It's not a there's, very good theory. There's, there's something, something. There's something up with this guy. guy. Obviously, so to the point where I'm gonna be pissed if nothing does come of it. You think? No, and I'm, just... I'm 
I'm pretty. I'm giving it like an odds of me being pissed at one percent because this is it's yeah. not like Matthew Weiner to leave all these breadcrumbs and not have them go anywhere. Sure. Okay. Let's move on to the final scene where Peggy tells Ted that it's over between her and Abe, but to her surprise, Teddy doesn't jump all over. Instead, he actually pretends uh, like the kiss never happened. He pretends like yeah, like he took their level, t- their relation to a whole other level of just business. Yeah. Just like, just like she wanted before she didn't have a boyfriend. Well, I don't know if that's what she wanted, honestly. Uh, well, okay. Fair enough. But she basically says, I broke up with this guy. And I, again, I don't expect him to jump in bed with her for a variety of reasons. Yeah, yeah. But to it, basically be like, clap your hands and like, ready to get to some hard work? Yeah. I mean, that's some bullshit. It was like... I, I It felt very Teflon to me. Like... This comment, none of what you're saying is getting past a certain point. I don't even hear it. Right. Also, I thought it was Obviously interesting. Fake. This is a callback to the platitude that Don said to Megan about, like, you know, next week's a brand new week. That's exactly what yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted said to Tomorrow's Peggy. Day. Yep. He said, this is, you know, we've got a brand new week. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of bookends Megan getting what she thought was what she wanted from Don at the end of the episode, but which I think is going to not be the case. Probably right. Yeah. Um, and then this is a fantastic shot. The oh, way they man. use the spatial orientation of her alone, the doors closing on her, framed by the in- empty conference room. Yeah, stuck right between the two of them. All the men in her life have shut the door on her hard. <laughs> yeah. Ted, Abe, Abe Don, you know, it's... Great. It's yeah. So I, I want to talk a little bit. I we're running way long, but I want to talk about Ted's reaction a little bit more mm-hmm. because it felt to me like there was a little bit of Ted refuses to be the margarine to Peggy's butter. He doesn't want to be Plan B, hmm. right? Like now that she's coming to him with this. Oh, well, Abe and I are no longer possible, so now you're my backup. He doesn't like that. I got a little bit of that. Did you at all? Uh, I He was such a no. cold fish, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I said that earlier on, that he doesn't want to be his her rebound, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm certain we'll see more of this we have not seen the last of their relationship uh and the three-way that is don and ted and uh peggy anyway that's it that's the end of the episode we leave on that fabulous shot of her standing between the offices shot through the conference room uh do we have anything else we want to talk about before we get to uh some feedback i felt like i left a lot of stuff on the table but as you said man we have talked for almost an hour and a half about we're, this. we're running long and you we've talked get the for longer than too. the episode has <laughs> took to air yeah commercials actually, included retrospectively so, I'm, I'm surprised i didn't like this more than i did but eh. a solid episode but 8.5 is a pretty high score yeah, but no I've, been, I've been hearing that nines and tens like fucking... But there have been some exceptionally good episodes. Yeah, like that one doctor hands out amphetamines. 
<laughs> Dr. Feelgood. Dr. Feelgood, yeah. Uh, are we ready for some promo action? Do it. Let's do this. We are a part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all our content at baldmove.com. We've got The Walking Dead. we got The Game of Thrones. Boom. we got Breaking Bad. we got Boom. Downton Abbey. Boom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> courtesy of Tom and Kelly, who are currently recapping Mr. Selfridge. Yeah, Mr. Feelgood. Which is the... Uh, <laughs> shit, what's that guy's name? Uh Jeremy Entourage, Piven. Entourage, yeah. Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven vehicle. Yep. Uh, <laughs> set they made this show just for, just him, for him to have a role. Just for him. Okay. Uh, check it out. Don't forget our uh, boys, the Personal Arrogance crew out of Seattle. This week they got a bunch of cool stuff they're talking about. They're talking about the covering Xbox One. Yeah. Um, news. They're talking summer movies, Star Trek, Iron Man, The Great Gatsby. I've seen all three. How about you? I've seen zero of those. I saw a shitload of movies this weekend. Apparently dude. so. I saw, I, I saw Fast Six. Oh, you bastard. And The Great Gatsby. Well, we were supposed, supposed to see yeah, that. Yeah, you blew me off, You live dick. in another state. What are you, you talking about? You blew me off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. I was supposed to come out to another state. Still hurt. On Friday. Totally hurt. <laughs> I felt like uh, Peggy at the end of the episode with all the doors <laughs> shut in my face. Yep. Had to see Fast Six by myself. Don't worry. It's, it's another week. <sighs> anyway, great show. <laughs> Um, and don't it, pretend like you saw it by yourself. Hell no. Well, I have my lady friend. All right. Okay. Uh, anyway, because show is like currently on hiatus. It. They said they're going to be coming back in mid-June. So that's only about two weeks away. Excited. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, in jolly old England. Can't wait to see what kind of stories come out of that shenanigans. Uh, the ways you can support us, three main ways. Rate and review us on iTunes. It's a huge help, and I appreciate all the people that have responded so far. Um, you know, we've been uh, pretty consistent hitting the uh, what's hot in the television and film section of iTunes, and it's all due to your people. All the new reviews, all the new five and four and three and two and one star reviews no, people no. are giving. No, no, no. Those one stars are no good. I think they help. I actually do. I you think, do? I think I'd rather have a one star review than opinion. no than, I'd rather have a one star review than no star or than no review at all. As far as iTunes uh, algorithms go. All right. uh, yeah, so do that. Uh, use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com or click on the friendly banner at the top of our site. You know how it works. We get a tiny cut of Amazon profit. It costs you nothing. If you're buying shit on Amazon, please use it. And finally, tell a friend. If you got a friend that's into good television, good podcasting, send them into uh, baldmove.com. Have them swell our ranks. <laughs> and are we ready for feedback now? Bring it. All right. Uh, as has been our pattern this season, Jim compiles the feedback and I read it fresh with virgin eyes. <laughs> Good luck. Um, let's see. Move. Uh, <laughs> this is right off the bat. Yeah, this is rough. I don't know what to do with this first email. Um, Said uh, Ju- uh, Ju- from Julie H says, guys, if Doctor Feelgood was using placenta in his mix, no. this could be a nod to the real January Jones consuming her baby's placenta and yeah, pill form. Is fucked up. This is a trendy thing for Earthy moms right now. January Jones did, and Holly Madison also just ate her placenta. <laughs> There's a long process of drying the placenta and grinding that in pill form. Oh, this, this is, is bullshit. Is- no, it's totally Everyone true. Everyone knows the best part of a birth is the cold placenta sandwiches the following week. <laughs> What's this grinding up in pill form? <laughs> it's like Thanksgiving. Yeah, man. Meatloaf's uh, got nothing on it. Yeah, you can't get the flavor in pill form. Hell no. No, you lose all the iron. <laughs> this is disgusting. Is this not 
is it not 2013? Is this like 20 AD or something? It is kind of weird that in the 21st century we're using leeches and, mo- and medicine right? and eating placentas. Like, uh, what uh, the hell? There are other ways to get B vitamins, people. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that that's got to be that that would be an interesting reference if that was the the wiener needling January Jones a bit there, <laughs> right? Uh, says Jill says that she is obsessed with Mad Men. Has been from season one. She's a former English major, so she crushes on all the big symbolism and Christ figures. But here's my hook in the series. I realized early on that I'm exactly the same age as Sally Draper. We had another right. Sally Draper surrogate last season. Uh, we are born in 56. That makes us today 56. Although we are and always have been considered baby boomers, we are really the little siblings of boomers. We were 12 years old in 68, so we were just in junior high when MLK and RFK were killed. When Janis Joplin, Mama Cass, Brian Jones, and Jimi Hendrix all OD'd, which made us think that death was the rather high price of fame. Hmm. We watched campus riots, cities burn, students get shot at college with the flat... Uh, an immature gaze of a kid. We're just moving from Barbies to bras when all this happened. Personally, I couldn't wait to get to college and march and protest and go down to concerts like Woodstock. Instead, it was the post-Watergate malaise, the dawn of disco, and the Chevy <laughs> Vega, my first car. Oh, no. <laughs> In fact, I bought a used one for $1,000 when I was 19 at the end of that first Ohio winter. Uh. It was so pocked with rust that I thought the body would fall off the chassis. <laughs> Uh, so back to the I Am Sally. I read Rosemary's Baby while babysitting and loved my knee-high white vinyl boots that I wore <laughs> with a miniskirt. And my dad, like Don Draper, would not let me wear to church. Well, no shit. To church? Yeah. You know, no, like God see in his house like that? Come on, Jill. <laughs> uh, when uh, I grew up in a small working class town, just like New York City. Sure, sure. With an unsophisticated family, just like the Drapers. <laughs> and accessories and elements of 60s life were the same. The wallpaper clock on the wall, hairstyles, hemlines. I can see my parents, aunts and uncles, school teachers, church ladies, etc., and all of it. Uh, the show's actually helped me remember my parents and grandparents and also imagine how the world must have looked to them. My parents were and are about Don's age, so they're about 80 now. Both of them were deeply, deeply impacted by the Depression. Their families were working class and were never homeless or jobless, but both of their families struggled with hunger, fear, anxiety, and the idea that utter desperation and poverty were looming and could get to them at any time. Their fear shaped them and lives with them still. I think it shaped that whole generation to some extent. Don slash Dick's family certainly live close to the margin, and that may be why he doesn't trust or can't enjoy his affluence or why he wants to bad so badly to ignore or deny it. So I read that, by the way, as Don slash Dick's family certainly live close to the margin. <laughs> of course. They can <laughs> afford butter. Right? No fucking way could they afford cents. butter. Uh, so this is this is a really cool email. I like this. Um, I, I, the I idea wonder of, if they're going to make like the definitive children of the uh, late eighties. That's 90s what I was going to say. Show. Exactly. Yeah. Like there will be when I'm like fifty six. There will be a show about the eighties that I will totally identify with. Yeah, I feel like they're my dad. They've already made my dad's story, which is Breaking Bad. My dad. <laughs> dad's a meth dealer. My is dad saying? is Walt. Walter okay. White. I mean, no, he hasn't killed anybody. Yeah, he hasn't made math. But he's certainly season one Walter, season one slash two Walter White. Okay, for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. He's got that scary kind of intensity to him. But it's not. It's not a period Same. piece. I'm sure oh, yeah. there will be period pieces that that reflect our lives. You know, there has to be. The '80s is hate it or love it a big deal. You know, 
Yeah, and the period costuming. Like, you know, when we look at these 60s, everything looks so elegant and cool. How yeah. the hell are they going to make bugle boy <laughs> jeans rolled up to the ankles, cargo pocket pants? Yeah, right. Fucking huge ass fades and like the girls with the flipped up bang dudes. There's well, no. And the banana clips? No, it's going to be all the dudes who were in nightclubs snorting coke all night. Jelly? That's what it's Jelly shoes? You remember those? Hyper color <laughs> shirts? I don't remember jelly shoes. Uh, Mark my words, though, there will be a, uh, an episode of some show with Crocs in it, a period piece. <laughs> The twenty, the twenty first century, the aughts like, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that that will happen for sure. All right, enough bald move naval gazing. Crocs are in your future. All around. Let's <laughs> move on to Je- Josh K. All season long, in your recaps you've mentioned a recurring theme of violence, in particular with guns. Whether yeah. it's MLK or Mark um, uh, Robert Kennedy's assassination or Pete's rifle, still collecting dust somewhere in the office. Oh no, it doesn't. He polishes that fucker every night. <laughs> Why he mutters the names of everyone he wants to kill. Yep. I know you said it has to mean something, and was wondering if you'd consider Roger being killed at the hands of Burt Peterson. <laughs> I haven't thought of that, Whoa. but sure. Although it was a very funny scene, we all love seeing Roger have the chance to fire Burt all over again. The wiener hardly ever throws in scenes just for comedic relief. As Burt is leaving the office, Bob Benson says he's report to Burt, which Burt replies, I recommend you stick your head between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye. Your thoughts? I would have thought this was a much stronger mm. theory before last episode when I found out that Bob or um, Bert actually landed a nice feather bed. He's the yeah, vice he's president the mm-hmm. of somewhere. So yeah, Some, somewhere ridiculous, right? I mean, Pete Pete laughs when he says, "Oh, you're you can go to Wisconsin, Wichita. Like, well, nice Wichita job. is where he or, offered yeah, the job. yeah, Wichita, yeah, somewhere on this planet." And he's like, "Yeah, right." So what do you think? Any, I mean, sure. I'd be, I'd he be surprised knowing him. that if we see Burt come back for anything more than you know to be kicked down, uh, slapped down hard by Roger again. Knowing that John Slattery directed that episode, I feel like that scene was just there for his amusement. <laughs> so I don't know that we'll see Burt come back. But wouldn't it be fun? If we totally had, couldn't rule if it we out. We had one last scene with Burt, like so he's the VP of the, some company, and he's. Like brings in the new the new firm to bid on a project to like slap. I don't know. I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm he going fires a, Roger. He's yeah. the client who fires yeah, Roger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, I can see I, that. Or, um, he he calls him in there to because he's the vice president. He's not the top dog. Sure. Sure. He calls him in there just to embarrass him, and they do such a good job that they actually keep the business. <laughs> So it's a further embarrassment to Bert. Yeah, and then Roger fire, fires them as a client later on. <laughs> Roger <laughs> fires them. That'd be great. Um, let's see. Mar- um, I'm going to skip on down to Jason from the Nattercast. I posted okay. this on the Facebook group as well in case you're too swamped. For- Thank you for doing that, by the way, because I actually didn't get to much of the Facebook this week. I was... Uh, uh, a lot of good television to watch. Plus, the Pacers are in the playoffs, and I've been strangely absorbed into that. Yeah, man, I finished season two of Falling Skies. Can't wait for season three, dude. I caught a little bit of this season of Falling Skies. It look or is it not started yet? It must no, have no, been... it hasn't started till June 9th. It was probably okay. Reruns. So it must have rerun. It was yeah. about Noah Wiley trying to rescue his son <laughs> from a. When you say it that way, <laughs> yeah, trying to rescue his son from a alien penal colony. Yeah. Try to take a vest off of him or something. Uh, that was probably season one. Totally surprised at how good the effects are. 
and yeah, Noah Wiley. The show, ass. the show itself is pretty good, man. Wow, are you considering a podcast on it? No, 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 oh. not a full <laughs> podcast, but I might cover it in some aspect. Will you dust off the TV cast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, going. I think we're still talking about the uh, previous episode. He says, going with the theme of Inferno, we see Don in these episodes auditioning various Beatrices. Beatrice being Dante's wife is the key to salvation. He's riffing <laughs> okay. off my uh, music sheet there. When Sylvia left him, she said, it's easy to give up when you're satisfied. And she retorted, it's also easy to give up when you're ashamed. Which goes I- along with what Betty said this time, how you are before and after. Yeah. Don's satisfied. Mm. It's different. I think this, Sylvia's ability to hold on to her power while feeling shame is the key to Don's fixation to her that truly impressed him. Mm. As she walks out the door, it recalls a scene from an earlier season when Don is hanging out with the hippies during the police action. When he gets up to go, one of the hippies says, you can't go out there. And Don says, no, you can't. Sylvia can feel ashamed and still walk out in the door in her own power. Don can't. Awesome. Why high on speed, Don says there's an answer that will open that door. There is a way around the system. In the hippie episode, he says there is no system. The universe is indifferent. Putting the two together, we see that indifference is the system Don wants to circumvent. His own indifference to <laughs> his own actions. And tonight we saw Don with another Beatrice, Betty. She can truly see him for what he is and how she can accept him. Don tells Betty the truth about his feelings of attachment and sexual longing. How sex doesn't matter to him as much as simple human contact. This marks possibly the first instance of Don Draper, of Dick Whitman, telling the truth to a woman in bed. Interesting. Yep. And finally, he is with Megan, the third Beatrice. Just as on her TV show, she's standing on the right place, saying the right things, but just not connecting with her audience, Don. He is slipping away, and there's nothing she can do but watch it happen. Of the three Beatrices, Megan is the correct one. She's the door he should choose, and he can only do that if he learns to feel shame for what he has done to her. And what he just did with Betty. This Beatrice thing has some juice because it seems like Don is getting solid advice from the women this episode. Even Peggy. Sure. You know, earlier on with the whole, you know, you need to move forward speech. Yeah. Um, definitely, that's that's the connection to the Inferno right now. Are we seeing the various Beatrices start to lead him out of Purgatory? Maybe. Is Maybe se- so. season seven going to be I don't an buy uplifting the, episode? No, of? no, hell no. I don't buy that Don is going to change hmm. by the end of this thing. I think he may understand himself better, but I don't think he can change. I mean, just as we saw Roger slip back into his old ways. It's interesting. Know? We we hear the Wiener in the um, interview last week where he said he's not. He's going to try not to leave. He's not leaving any story. Yeah. He's putting it all out there. It begs the question, why is he bringing it back for season seven? If he's going to completely tell the story in season six. Um, because if he does. Well, he's also said that he has no idea how, like, what a satisfying conclusion is to anyone. That makes me want to shit my pants in fear. No, I actually that. like that because that doesn't mean he's shooting for something that he thinks is a satisfying conclusion. I I think there are a, a lot of seasons where it could have just been left. Um, maybe not the one where he marries Megan. That's probably the one where uh, I would have had questions about their relationship moving forward. But I think um, I think that'd been a great place to end the season, the series, though. You think so? Yeah, because it's like it basically the reboot. It's 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 kind of like rebooting the series, and you could you could just imagine Dawn going it through. Repeating. Yeah, which you could imagine what we're seeing now. We can imagine the exact two last two seasons play out. Yeah, yeah. Now which I'm starting to worry that. for season seven because. There's already been a lot of restlessness from people saying, what are we learning new from Don? I think some of that's been put to bed in the last two weeks. 
But still, can you yeah. do that for another season? Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe Don does change. Yeah, that would that would be a valuable season seven, right? Uh, Marion Ramon says Bob Benson's perhaps a patenter of the phrase "You ha- have your people call my people." He is simply an '80s ad man, a decade ahead of his time, a corporate <laughs> version of a social climber making friends with the right people. His sheer shamelessness will get him far, and the connection he's made with Joan will be invaluable. And go, Betty! Good for you to get you some. Get some! Wow. Question. Yeah. Is so the pre preseason release for this season was a like a looking like a faux contemporary version of Don passing himself. Yeah, yeah. Do With you think police that, looking on and wh- stoplights? Do and... you think who what he's really looking what we're really seeing is Bob Benson and Don passing? <laughs> oh Jesus! No, well I this mean, whole eighties Don ahead Don, of his time. Right? Well, I don't know. I mean, you only see the back of the one's head, right? Or do you actually? See no, I think he's turning face? to look, and you see his face mm. as well. All right. I think it's double Don. That's what you get when I have an original thought on this podcast, <laughs> right? Shut that shit down. Louis R says, uh, "Don and Betty are back again as family." Nope. Good morning, Henry. I'll sit on the other <laughs> side of the restaurant for myself for breakfast, then go home to my pining Frenchy wife. Peggy and Abe call it quits, but Ted ain't buying. There she is at the end of the episode, caught right between Don and Ted, which what might have been with both. Two more do- doors closed simultaneously. Roger's down and out in all departments. What could have been with Joan and her baby? What could have been with his daughter and grandson? He ends up alone with nobody to love him or Wait, nobody his, to love or to love his him. His daughter? His son. It's Kevin. Yeah, but he's talking about his daughter and grandson. Uh Oh, Emery, okay. or Ellery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ellery and Margaret. Uh, what is her name, Margaret? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the history guy writes this and says, it's interesting that Sally's reading this book, which he's talking about Rosemary's Baby. It's one of the first examples and maybe the best of children being portrayed in books or film as evil. Ooh, hmm, an evil yeah. seed. As 60s and 70s became more adult-centered, children were increasingly seen as simply an impedient to the fun that kid, the adults wanted to have. Uh, many of these adults had kids when they were in early 20s and now s- saw themselves left out of a youth-oriented fun of this period. In the age of birth control pill, kids became increasingly rare, but those who were uh, born near the brunt – wait. Those who were born bear the brunt in this time period. Consider how both Don and Megan leave Sally in charge so they can pursue something they would want to do rather than spend it with their kids. The intruder shows the lurking danger for kids growing up and the coming meltdown of morality that is the 70s. Disney stopped making kid-oriented films in the late 60s and won't really start again until the early 90s. Tough to be a kid like Sally and Bobby. Is that true? I feel like Lady and the Tramp. Did they? Oh, the Disney thing specifically? Yeah. I don't know, man. Calm. I don't know. I'm, 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 Lion I'm, King is the first time I gave a shit about Disney. Holy first shit. First and last time Lady I gave and a the shit Tramp about Disney. Lady and the Tramp was made in 1955? Whoa. That is rocking my time. world. Uh, back when, uh, what was that, like, Yogi was on the air? Yeah, Fox and the Hound, 81. There you go. There's your outlier. Boom, I did it. <laughs> you disproved his entire email. You're I wrestled, wrong, history guy. I wrestled guy. the history guy to the ground and pinned him. <laughs> new, we have a new history guy now. Aaron Hubbard. Joseph V., the Joseph Strikes Back, writes in, Surprise, surprise, both Harry and Pete like to have their balls tickled. <laughs> Actually, that's not that big of a surprise. What else isn't a surprise? The fact that Don's problem is that he never finds himself to be deserving of love. For the Megan haters, I don't think she's going anywhere. The wiener is using her crappy soap opera show to show us how she's start going to start acting, i.e. she will stop being the maid who cleans up messes 
will start acting with more class and demanding respect. As a result, her attitude will affect Don in the way of groveling for the affection she so easily threw at him in the season, episode one of season five, doing the Zuby Zoo. Additionally, we have not really seen Cooper since episode two of this season. The last time we had such a long hiatus of a main character it was with Lane last season, and that didn't end too well for him. <laughs> Do you guys see the last couple episodes being the death of Bertram Cooper? Man, I've been calling for him to die for the last three seasons, and it just hasn't happened. I want an octopus to come out of somewhere and grab him. I feel like he's going to be put in cryo sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's uh, going to wake up in the Sally spinoff. <laughs> um, Rachel uh, said, hey, guys, couldn't believe Don got the back together with Betty. This season has been full of me shouting no at the television set. You know, that was my first reaction, but by the yeah, end, yeah. when Don, when Betty had Don on the psychoanalysis couch, I was mm-hmm. actually like, this was totally paid off in a way that I was not offended by. Yeah, yeah. Sully in Boston says, happy to see a latex-free hot Betty and not just because she delivered the insightful line about Don. She doesn't know that loving you is the worst way to get to you. In the same way that we all enjoy Don's adultery and hate on Pete, the grimy little pimp, it's much easier to forgive Betty and her Joan Crawford-esque mothering and anything else when she's worth leering at. Uh, wait, and anything else when she is worth leering at pre-pumping. Okay, then. Uh, I saw Don and Betty was a standard hookup with your ex, and like most of Don's trysts, there are no implications, but the pillow talk did lead to Don, or le- did lead Don to some introspection. Arguably, this is consistent with Betty's normal cluelessness, as Don might think, shit, if she even understands this, it must be true. Um, Sully has not come around on the Betty train, the Betty bandwagon. No, he prefers not. margarine to the butter. Apparently, I'm, uh, I have not come around. I cannot forgive the things that Betty has done. No, but thank God she's an interesting character. She is. She is that. We spent two years of her being boring in the fat suit, <laughs> and like uh-huh. you know, constantly thinking like, what the hell is she going to contribute to this show? Boom. She contributed. I, but I think the fat suit gave us a valuable insight into her character, right? Mm. I mean, that, that time she spent, as like you said earlier, being seen as unattractive, uh, yeah, I yeah. think is, is valuable in the character study. So uh, I, I don't think she was – she may have been boring moment to moment, but in hindsight, she it actually worked out. He's uh, basically um... – uh, he's, he's he's pessimistic on Don and Megan because he said that there's no way they're going to sit down for the years of therapy it'd take to cure him. So I'm not sure what Don can do with Megan. Some of their falling out this season occurred after she mentioned wanting a baby. Hope that flawed fix doesn't happen as it's nothing but an ejection seat that result in marriage number three. <laughs> also, love the inside joke about Bobby Five at camp playing off the number of Bobbies on Mad Men. And also a wiener shot across the bow of actor number four currently playing Bobby. That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, Pete, well, actually, there is no – I think that is talking about – that is a direct – Because there's no Bobby one. There's no Bobby one. Which I thought was awesome. Wiener's retconned it. Well, I thought it was awesome like in the episode because Betty's like, oh, because Robert Kennedy got shot. And he's Uh like – the kid doesn't give yeah, a shit about right. that. Yeah, yeah. It's no, Bobby One went home. Like, yeah. Get out of here. Also got shot in the head, but mostly went home. <laughs> went home in a body bag. Peggy and Pete rekindling whatever weird thing they had seems logical, yet so disgusting. I'd rather she go back to Boinking Duck. No Ugh. fucking way are either of those things going to happen, do you think? <laughs> no. 
Her sleeping with Duck was very weird. And Pete's got no chance. I hope not. I mean, I, honestly, I think they, you know, for some reason they do have some kind of chemistry, but I don't want to see Peggy Ugh, filled vomit. with desperation. Yeah. Uh, Pete pumping his desperation in her. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting that Bob Benson has mentioned his father is both dead and now miraculously secured by the authentically Spaniard nurse Manolo Colon or Cologne. Um, I think it's absurd to speculate that uh, Bob Benson is a spy out to uncover Don, but increasingly like Bob Benson is a 1968 version of Don Draper on the come. Anyone who has been too chicken to break up a relationship must bow to Abe, ruthlessly executing a truth-telling breakup <laughs> while a knife is in his stomach. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I got to say um, it'd be easier for me to break up with many ex-girlfriends if they'd stabbed me with a harpoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. That seems that, – that has a way of crystallizing one's <laughs> – emotions also what could she really do to him that's worse than that at that point right <laughs> not nothing right you can't get worse than stabbing the gut the knife that's what i'm saying uh uh paul a has a bold prediction next week bob benson will kill <laughs> okay think about it this is a guy who's already shown himself to be capable of horrendous and disgusting acts he poisoned joan's uterus and then bragged about it to the attendant nurse <laughs> He hired a Spaniard to play, quote-unquote, nurse with his father's corpse. <laughs> he voluntarily touched Pete Campbell. Here's how it will go down. Benson, high on a Joan Field Beach weekend sex romp power trip, will walk into Harry Crane's office, calmly remove the TV from its stand, carry into Kidden's Cosgrove's office, and murder him by smashing it over his head repeatedly. All while smiling and whistling. Okay. Man, get a little bit of American Psycho mixed in here. Mm -hmm. After cleaning up the carnage of Ken's mutilated head and burying the body, he'll look himself in a mirror and realize that he finally feels alive. Then he'll go out for a burger. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know if it'll play out exactly like that, but man. <laughs> I love the breakdown about his disgusting acts. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty brilliant. I like that he's... Suddenly hired a Spaniard to play a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing in the episode that would suggest that. Uh, that's awesome. A well-bred Spaniard. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's it, man. That is. That's the bottom. That's it. Bring us home with the outro. Uh, you want to contribute to our pile of feedback? By the way, um, the most reliable way to get read on our, our podcast is to send it in to the Mad Men at baldmove.com. No, 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 no. The Mad Men. I'm not sorry. The it's Mad going Men. nowhere. It's going to Mad Men, six little letters, Mad Men at baldmove.com. Um, I can, like, the Facebook stuff's mostly funsies. You know, it's like kind of back and forth yep. and Twitter Same and all Twitter. that stuff. Yep. And we get so much of the feed, email feedback that it's like, it's, it's very hard. So um, I know a lot of guys, a lot of people do bring the thunder on Facebook. If you wouldn't mind, email that to me, especially since Jim's compiling the feedback and he hasn't seen any of that. <laughs> Uh, Facebook stuff anyway. Yeah, I don't check Facebook. That would help everybody get where they're wanting to go in life. Um, you can also join me on Facebook on our weekly uh, live threads uh, of the episode. Facebook.com slash baldmove. Follow along with Jim on Twitter at baldmove for his weekly live tweeting. And that is pretty much the totality of how you can interact with baldmove. Awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode speaking about it. Uh, it's been a fun podcast. So. And again, I feel like fresh as a daisy. It's not even eight o'clock. We're done with the podcasting for the night. I know. It, I don't know what to do with the rest of the evening. I, I know what I'm going to do. I want to watch game four of the, uh, Eastern finals conference. Oh, okay. 
So yeah. that's and, – and probably you're going to do that too since I'm at your house. And, <laughs> Apparently. And I, either that or I'm going to BW3s. Are you going to – is that what's going to come to, down to? Uh, man, I don't know. I, you're kicking I me out food. of the apartment to watch a Patriots no, 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 no. game? I was saying if you're going to BW3s, I need food, so I might oh, join you. Oh, I guess not a bad idea. I don't know. Uh, let me talk to my friend Bob Bunsen. We'll find out what's yeah, going on. Let's do on. this off air. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time, I'm Jim. I'll see you next week. I'm Aaron. Mm-hmm.